0: Tonight,
1: as the title of the lesson points out,
0: it's called The End. <laughs> the End. <What> that? <laughs> I answered we didn't daniel last one, she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lord willing, tonight we will. Daniel chapter twelve, the end. Daniel twelve. Thank you. I don't know. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. While they're passing those out, cut off those cell phones, too, please. Thank you. Daniel twelve. You ready? You got it. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. There shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise Shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I and Daniel looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever... That it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from that time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be twelve hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days, but go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Folks, uh, tonight as we finish Daniel, the Lord willing, if our study has been for information's sake alone, then it's been a waste of time. Uh, my prayer is that you and I would really grab a hold of some of the overarching themes of the book of daniel, and i've listed some of those for you on your study notes page uh, the sovereignty of God you know Paul assures us in romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. God is sovereign. <laughs> And we've seen in the book of Daniel how he raises up one king and nation and he puts down another. And how Daniel sees that this will continue until God finally smashes all the kingdoms of the earth and establishes his everlasting kingdom. And, you know, when we, when we realize that all of history is his story that's in his hands... It ought to mean that Christians are some of the calmest people on the face of the earth. Because regardless of what goes on around us, we know who's in charge, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so we, we shouldn't panic. We should be at peace. Um, doesn't mean that we always understand everything, but one day we will. Things will become clear. I think another overarching thing we see in the book of Daniel is the power of a surrendered life. We saw back in Daniel chapter 1 that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And you you get to the end of chapter 1 and you see how God was already blessing Daniel and his companions and we were told at the end of chapter 1 how Daniel would remain There in the king's court, all the way until the time that the Babylonians' power had ceased and and Cyrus had come to the throne, the Persian ruler. So Daniel had an impact for God in high places, in powerful places. And God blessed him. That says something about the power of a life lived like Daniel, consecrated to God and surrendered to God. We see also the reality of prophecy in this book, that God sees all and knows all. Again, just as I said a moment ago, history is his story. And at times in the Bible, he gives us a glimpse of what is yet to come, and that's what he was doing for Daniel. You know, we've seen in the book of Daniel that the kingdoms of this world will become more and more powerful. But at the same time, we'll see the kingdoms of this world also become more and more wicked. Uh, we see in this book how God's not done with the Jews yet. Paul says that in Romans 9-11. through They're not going to be saved apart from Christ. Don't make that mistake of thinking they're going to be saved some other way. No. They'll be saved the same way Gentiles are saved, by coming to Christ. Amen. But God is going is to stir their hearts and a complete number of them will be grafted back in. The olive tree in Romans 11. They're the natural branches that were broken off. And you and I have a wild olive branch grafted in. And as Paul says, if God can do graft in the wild olive branch, He can certainly take the natural one and graft it back in. And so the Bible points out that by the time of the end, a complete number of Jews will be saved. God's going to one day put down all wickedness, and he's going to establish his everlasting kingdom of righteousness and peace. So those are hopefully some of the very encouraging themes in the book of Daniel that we'll grab a hold of and we'll keep in our minds. Now, as we move into Daniel 12, I want to remind you this is the conclusion of the long prophecy or vision that Daniel started receiving back in chapter 10. Chapters 10, 11, and 12 make up that final vision. Remember chapter 10? Daniel was sorrowful. He was in prayer. And as a response to his prayer, he receives a vision of the glorified Christ. I can only imagine it'd be sort of like maybe what John saw in Revelation 1 of, of Christ and all of his glory. Daniel, of course, would have seen Christ pre-incarnate glory, whereas John sees post-incarnate glory. But he sees a, the vision of the glory of Christ. Uh, And then in chapter 11, the prophecy of the end times is given to Daniel. And in the first 35 verses, there were predictions that we saw of the rise of the Greek Empire. And then predictions of all the confrontations that would happen between Egypt, referred to as the southern kingdom, and Syria that was referred to in chapter 11 as the northern kingdom. All the conflict between the two. And all of that now is history for us. Down through the first 35 verses of Daniel 11, it's past history. And then beginning in verse 36 of chapter 11, we saw what many believe not only to be fulfilled in Antiochus Epiphanes the fourth in 167 B.C., But Antiochus is used in the book of Daniel too to give us a glimpse of what the final Antichrist is going to be like. Uh, So we see all of that in chapter 11. And, And you know, just as the book of Revelation closes out with the doxology of praise to God, that's pretty much how the book of Daniel closes out too. It prays to God How God's going to conclude everything. So in chapter 12, this vision that started in chapter 10 is going to be concluded. And that brings us to this final message tonight. You know, the Bible says when Jesus comes back for his church, it will be announced by the shout of the archangel and the trump of God. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We'll look at verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation... Till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. This seems to be an archangel who watches over the Jews, possibly Michael. Uh, verse 1 also talks about this time of distress. You can read in Matthew 24, Jesus' discussion that's referred to as the Olivet Discourse. And he's talking about this time of distress and how bad it's going to be. And Jesus said, There'll be tribulation such as the world has never seen. We've always been in tribulation, uh, but it's going to kick into higher gear uh, near the end. And when's that time going to be exactly? God only knows. But in the midst of tribulation, there is great hope. God has reminded us so many times in the Bible that we are to be a people of hope. Folks, just read the concluding chapters of the book of Revelation where John talks about what we have to look forward to. uh, How when his kingdom comes in, we're going to... Be with God forever in a place where there's no more death, no more suffering, no more distress, uh, no more pain, no more sorrows. And we're going to dwell with God and He will dwell with us. It's no wonder that Paul said to Titus in Titus 2.13 that we are to be a people who are looking for our blessed hope, the glorious return of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're to comfort one another with this. We're to comfort the saints even who have lost loved ones. If their loved ones were believers. Paul said to the Thessalonians, we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. And so we are to comfort one another as believers that God has better things waiting for His children. Again, we are to be a people of hope. I love what Paul says about this. In uh, Romans 8, Romans 8 and uh, verse 18, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Aren't you glad of that? The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And he goes on in that same chapter to say, if God be forced, who can be against us? And so again... We see all through the Bible and here in the book of Daniel that you and I as believers are to be a people of hope. We're to be a people of steadfast hope who endure to the end. Daniel is given some wonderful words of hope here concerning his people. Uh, He he talks about... uh, (laughs) that even though his people are going to go through such difficult times of tribulation, uh, I want you to notice that he goes on to say, but at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Trouble again? Yes. Trouble again? Certainly. Difficult days? Yes. But hope for the people of God. There's deliverance. But again, this is for the pe- this is a promise for the people of God. Not everybody can claim this. I want you to see. First of all, tonight related to this, there is a book of life. He talks about that here in verse one. There is a book of life. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Not everybody is going to be delivered, but those written in God's book, yes, they're going to be delivered. God will save a remnant, not only of Gentiles, but of Jews. The Jews who are that remnant, they will receive all promises of God that God made to them through Abraham and David. A complete number of them will come to saving faith in Christ. And where will their names be? In the book. Recorded in the book. Well, folks, let's think about books a moment. You know, in the Bible we see this mentioned several times. In the book of Malachi, What do we we see mentioned there? A book of what? A book of remembrance. A book of remembrance. Where God records all that we do. He has a book of remembrance. Uh, Revelation 20, along with here, but Revelation 20 in particular talks about a book of of life. Not just a book of remembrance, but a book of life. And if any, anyone's name not found written in the book of life, John says in Revelation 20, he shall be cast into the lake of fire. <clears throat> what we need to understand, folks, God keeps perfect records, and this shouldn't surprise us. Don't ever think that God's judgment is arbitrary. It's not. God knows who belongs to him and who doesn't. Paul talks about that likewise in 2 Timothy chapter 2. That God knows those who are his. And he knows what everybody has done. His records are perfect. He doesn't have to rely on a memory that fades or diminishes. Now, we all know what it is to have our name in books. You know, if you're a member here, your name's on the church roll. You're on your Sunday school roll. Maybe you went through school and you were on the honor roll. In the city and county, our names are on what? The tax rolls, yes. But there's really only... One book that truly matters ultimately, and that's God's book, as Jesus said in Luke 10 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. You remember what he's referring to there? He sent, he sent the 70 out, and they came back rejoicing how even uh, the evil spirits were subject to them. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's something to rejoice about. Because if your name is not in God's book of life, what's your destiny?
1: The, last
0: the lake of fire. So our main concern ought to be being in God's book of life. That's our main concern. Uh, Church role in and of itself won't cut it. You know, some are CEOs, right? Christmas and Easter only. Some are FBPO's for burial purposes only (laughs) because that's the only time they'll ever show up at a church. We need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Have you been born again? Have you been converted? Born again from above, born of the Spirit, as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Ultimately, that's that's all that really matters. Ultimately. I want you to see, secondly, there are two distinct kinds of future resurrections. Look at verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame, and everlasting contempt. And that's exactly what Jesus said in John chapter 5. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 5. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself, and He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Remember the parable of the dragnail? Jesus said, in that net's collected all kinds of fish. And it's pulled up on the shore and separation is made. Of the clean and the unclean fish. And he gave that as an illustration of how that final judgment, resurrection and judgment, is going to be. A separation. A separation. Folks, the Bible does not teach
1: universalism
0: universalism you know states that everybody somehow is going to make it to heaven one branch of universalism says oh we'll get there on separate paths you just need to be true to your path you need to be sincere another branch of universalism says that true we only get there through Jesus But his death on the cross applies to everybody, whether they ever acknowledge him or not. The Bible never teaches that. Jesus never taught that. He spoke of a broad path to destruction and a narrow path to eternal life. The first brand of universalism, if if it were correct that all paths would be equal, then the greatest tragedy in the world was the cross of Christ. Because he died for no reason. If he didn't really have to die, if there were other ways. In fact, the incarnation itself would have been unnecessary too. He wouldn't have even needed to come. But, of course, Bible-believing Christians don't believe everybody's going to make it heaven. We don't believe there are multiple paths of salvation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We don't even believe that second brand of universalism. If we did, then why even do missions? If everybody is saved through Jesus, whether or not they come to Jesus or not, why do missions? Why all the incentives and commands in the Bible to be about the Great Commission? Why do missions? Why share the Gospel? If Jesus' death, what He did there on the cross, applies to everybody, hey, just live and let live. Right? You know, Jesus told a parable in Luke 16 about a man who died and went to torment. so we don't go to the same place resurrection to life one to judgment which resurrection will I be a part of that's the question people need to ask the scripture says blessed are those who are part of the first resurrection over then the second death has no power you see if you've just been born once you're going to die twice but if you've been born twice you're only going to die once Two future resurrections, one to life and one to judgment. One to life, one to condemnation. It's not, it's not that everybody makes it. We might wish that everybody would, that nobody would have to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But that's the reality that the Bible teaches. Well, I want you to see thirdly, it's possible to be stars in God's eyes. Look at verse 3. It says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Folks, who are our stars today? Well, you know, in Hollywood, or not just Hollywood, top celebrities, some are actors and actresses, some are singers or musicians or producers. Some are business people, some I'm not sure who they are. But, I mean, you got names like Tom Cruise and Adam Sandler and Rihanna. Am I saying that right? Adele, Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, Elon Musk, Kevin Costner, Kylie Jenner, Kevin Hart, Lady Gaga, Dwayne Johnson. Uh... All just a sampling of the stars of today, you know, that everybody wants to follow them and keep abreast of what they're doing all the time. I don't know why, but there are some people who want to know what these stars and celebrities are doing all the time. And then who's going to make the cover of Times, Person of the Year, though that's kind of gotten wacky lately, hasn't it? But you know what? There's a different kind of star that matters to us. God's stars. Daniel 12.3 speaks of those. Speaks of those who, uh, who turn many to righteousness. Philippians 2, Paul says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked, crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. How about all those characters, too, in Hebrews 11, the roll call of faith? People like Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Joshua, Gideon, and Rahab. Yes, Rahab. Mm-hmm. Samson. Yes, Samson too. All those people who were listed in the Hebrews 11. How can we be God's stars? Live by faith. Serve Him. Whether you teach in Sunday school, whether you're witnessing to your kids and grandkids, whether you're starting a Bible study somewhere, whether you're witnessing to your co-workers, whether you're a, a prayer warrior... Simply serving the Lord in whatever capacity He's called you to do, and you're faithful to that. Folks, that's who God's looking for. Stars are visible when it's dark, right? Again, what Paul's saying in Philippians 2, among whom you shine as lights in the world, the darkness of the world. Stars are visible when it's dark. Stars are modest, too. You don't have to carry a 10-pound black Bible around, right? Stars give direction. Stars in the sky. Sailors navigate by. Well, stars in God's kingdom, our lives ought to be like a compass pointing people to Christ. 2 Peter 3 says the stars in the heavens will burn out one day, but God's stars will shine forever. Do you shine as one of God's stars? Then fourthly, I want you to see characteristics of the last days. Look at verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall... Increase. People wonder what all's wrapped up in these words here. It could signify a restlessness. We see that today, or you know, talking about running to and fro could could. Be talk about how how transportation's going to be. From Daniel's point of view, how transportation in the future, near the end of time, would be. You know, Isaac Newton, the father of modern physics, he was a Christian in 1680. When Isaac Newton read Daniel 12, he said that he believed it referred to men traveling from country to country in an unprecedented manner. He said that there'd be inventions that would allow men to travel quickly, possibly even going as fast as 50 miles an hour. (laughs) Some years later, the French atheist Voltaire read Newton's words and said, see what a fool Christianity turns a person into? Has Newton forgotten that if a man would travel at such speeds as he suggests, why, he'd be suffocated. His heart would stop. 50 miles an hour, heart would stop. Who was right? Voltaire the atheist or Newton? Today, men and women can get on the space shuttle and go almost 18,000 miles an hour. 18,000 miles an hour. You can leave here tonight. If, you're, if your flight is not canceled or delayed, you can leave here tonight and be in Los Angeles probably by midnight or close to it. You can take off from New York City and fly to Paris. as We'll have mission groups doing in June. Uh, from New York City to Paris, seven and a half hours. Who would have thought of such as this? And then look at information. You know, Uh, The industrial age revolutionized the world, and that's what the information age is doing today. Think about computers and all the technology today. Entire library, massive libraries on little flash drive. (coughs) On the internet, you know, Google or Bing or whatever search engine you want to use. Search out all kinds of information. It's been said from Jesus to 1700, from the time of Jesus to 1700, knowledge doubled. From 1700 to 1900, it doubled again. From 1900 to 1950, it doubled again. From 1950 to 1970, it doubled again. And now it's said to double every years at most. Of course, now they're warning of what? Artificial AI. Artificial intelligence. Who knows where that's going? You know, you can create an account on chat uh, GPT and it can write your college term paper for you in just a few seconds. Now, I'm not advocating that anybody do stuff like that. But I'm serious. On on that website, chat, GPT, you can can type in something for it to do for you. You have to go on that and uh, create an account and have it do something for you. And it's amazing. Page after page after page after page of of what you want to write that will be pulled up in just a second. Have any of you done that? You've done that. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's amazing. Where is all of this going? Some are saying, "You know, we got to be concerned about this." Where Where is AI going? Characteristics of the last days. And in the midst of this, as all this is happening, all this knowledge. What else is going on? People are getting wicked more wicked well what are the people of God to do fifthly the people of God are to go their way that's what Daniel is told to do go your way go your way Daniel for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end it's like you saying Daniel all this is going to happen you just be about what you're supposed to be about Many shall purify themselves, make themselves white be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise will understand. What's Daniel being told to do? Keep doing what you're to do. I think of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Understand the times, verse 10. Understand the times. Then in verse 12, understand your reward. Understand your reward. Daniel is being told all of this. What's the 1,290 days mean? And then the 1,335 days, that seems strange. Scholars, there's all kinds of opinions on that. But notice that the 1,335 is longer, the the time of trouble, the 1,290 days. But he says, Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. In other words, blessed is the one who makes it through and beyond those days of trouble. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't abandon your faith in the 1290 days. Hang in there. Through it all, through the time of trouble and beyond, come out the other side. It's kind of like a dog I read about. In St. Louis, Missouri, we just came from that area a dog that they were throwing in the gas chamber with other dogs to be euthanized. Mm -hmm. On Friday, they threw them all in there, cut on the gas, walked away, got there Monday morning, opened the door of the gas chamber. All the dogs were dead, but Quentin stood up. He was wagging his tongue and wagging his tail he made it through the weekend somehow. The director of the the place there said they'd never seen anything like that. And she said, I didn't have heart to put him to death again after after he had been through that over the weekend and came out the other side. Make it through to the other side. Beyond the 12th night, the days of trouble, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Make it through the time control. Come out the other side. Endure. Pupomeno. You what? Pupomeno. Pupomeno. That's, That's right. my favorite Greek word. Amen. To bear, bear up under bear trials and tribulations in a God-honored way. Amen. The word for patience that literally means to bear up under a load. Pupomeno. Yep. And, you know, that's a good word for us. And so there's some lessons here. Lesson number one, be about God's business, which is the Great Commission. I mention Acts 1.8 here because the disciples, what did they want to know from Jesus? What we would want to know is we're going through the book of Daniel. Lord, when's this going to be? When's that going to be? When's this going to be? When's your kingdom going to be restored? Remember, they were asking questions like that. And Jesus told them in Acts 1.8, essentially paraphrased, don't worry about that, guys. But you shall be witnesses. Witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost ends of the earth. He said, don't worry about what's in the Father's hands. He's got it in control. He's got the world in control. And yes, God's people are going to go through tough times. Trials and tribulations. Some will die for their faith. But where does your head need to be and my head need to be, where does our focus need to be? On His commission. 2 Peter 3.18 reminds us that we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. You've got a purpose to do that. Growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Folks, that's not going to just happen by accident in your Christian life and my Christian life. If you want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, you've got a purpose to grow and you've got to take steps to grow. And then Romans 12, 1 and 2. Live your life as a living sacrifice to God. Refusing to conform to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think that's some good close-out lessons for us in the book of Daniel. Because again, all kinds of questions remain about the timing of things. Right? But God's got it. We need to be about His commission. We need to be about growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and living our lives as a living sacrifice. And it's interesting that that's basically in the final analysis what Daniel is told to do here. Daniel wants to know more. And the angel basically says, Daniel, go your way. And here's what you'd be about. So, I want to close out the book of Daniel that way. Whatever questions remain, that's fine. I've not answered all your questions. But if we remember the things I said at first tonight, the overarching themes, and we remember these lessons, that's what we need to take away from the book of Daniel. Amen. amen any comments?
1: In, uh, years ago, we went to a, uh, I think it was a Friends of Israel or, or Jews for Jesus dinner in Smithville, New Jersey. And one thing that sticks in my mind, uh, <clears throat> an, excited, an excited Jewish Christian, he uh, he says, "Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter uh, nine, I believe." And uh, we're going to go through uh, 9, chapter 9 to 11, maybe 12, you know, 9 to 11. And we're looking at the guy, and he didn't even have a Bible. And he said, well, I'll be, we'll be taking out of the uh, King James Bible. So everybody had a Bible at that time, pretty much. he goes to Romans chapter 9, and he gets a word for word, everything. He's just saying it. But he's saying it with passion and he's actually almost acting out the excitement that he sees as a Jewish man uh, going to the end of time there. It Ooh. was really neat. I didn't know what I had to eat that night, but I do remember his excitement. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and how he used scripture. Yeah. Nice. Maxine, you may remember this from being different churches in Charlotte. I remember when we were in the youth group. There's an older man... <laughs> interim pastor in Charlotte. He'd fill in a lot of pulpits. Reverend Ushery. You remember Reverend Ushery? It said that he, he basically had the Bible, the whole Bible, memorized. So, you know, he'd stand out from the pulpit and say, hey, turn in your Bibles to you know, Jeremiah chapter 22. And we're going to read the from twenty-two to chapter twenty-two to twenty-four, and he would just start doing it. He would start reading. It. He wouldn't even be reading from a Bible. Mm-hmm. You remember? Did, did you, you knew him, Joyce? I didn't know him, but I've heard him speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. You remember? LD Usery. LD Usery. Mm-hmm. Yep. Knew the scripture like that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I've always had a good memory, not that kind of memory. Wow, that's that's
1: amazing.